Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. Power of Water, Water Life Science, and Nature Pharma. I'm Sharon Kleina. Many years ago, we started this show with Voice America and our syndication there. And I found myself excited about what we can do as messengers with the show and grow up and develop ourselves into an international concern with the power of water and the crisis. And it's just fascinating. Um, I had been studying water for well over 30 years on our planet. I study, I'm the founder of Biologic Aqua Research Center, Water Life Science Studies, and I found myself with studying the human body water, our life and the water that we live in, in our body, which is between 56 and 70 uh, percentage of water in your body. And for example, when you're being developed in that womb of your mother in that pocket of water, and it is a pocket of water you're being developed in, you begin to develop organs that have a percentage of water each. And so that when you're born and you come out and you're no longer in that mother's water, you're living in the atmospheric water of the water vapor from that moment as you hit, leave that mother's pocket of water. Because the body prepared you, the mother prepared you, to, that you had a percentage of water in your body to live with. We just had a guest scientist on in China recently, and that scientist said that our bodies, and as Dr. Pollock has said from the University of Washington here in the United States, that we are like a battery from the moment you're born, living, probably before you're born, living with electrolytic charge of the atmosphere's electrolytic rod. So that your life is electrolytic because your water, the atmosphere is water, the earth is water, living with that water to keep you alive and for you to grow. Have you ever noticed how you start out as that little, tiny, little beginning and you come out of that mother's womb with that little size you are and then all of a sudden, you could be like my grandson, Jordan, and be six foot seven tall. Can you imagine? And and, and absolute people, their lives, their health and everything about them is all depending upon water. So I decided that this show could become a messenger. Potentially, let's hope, we'll develop a new idea that we're studying, a membership to it, and that you become part of what the world needs to take serious as a priority, a priority number one for all leaders of our planet, all politicians, all elected elected officials, water must be the primary focus, number one. Number two should be your health, and then number three, the the, um, economy on down. 
so that our lives together on the planet are relating to what's most important. Safety, health, prosperity for your life and your opportunities, your vision, and peace. That's a prayer. I pray every day about that. But water has to be a priority for us to be healthy and be safe and have peace. Because the frustrations of our emotions are out of control all, all over the world. And I, I have studied so long, and I have decided that the evaluations must be studied, that something is happening with over-evaporation of our body from birth that happens immediately because life to death is over-evaporation to severe dehydration to death. What do you think is causing emotions? Stress, pain, discouragement. It could be something other than we, we think is a pill could solve it. It might be something even better. We need to learn that. And that's why we invite you to listen to the show with all of our guests that we've had from all over the world and all over the United States that come in and we discuss research and what could be done, what is being done, and some new ideas, being proactive about your health. I like the word vain, V-A-I-N, be vain about your birth, your being here. I wouldn't care if you, if you didn't have a pair of shoes. I wouldn't care if you didn't have every meal, but you could learn to take care of yourself and be vain about the gift of living on this planet and going forward with a special vision and faith. <coughs> That's what this show is all about. And today I wanted to mention something, too, about on the 60 Minutes yesterday on CBS, there was a special about how the Dutch stormwater management could have mitigated damage from hurricanes in the United States and like Hurricane Florence and other hurricanes we've had. And the Dutch have been studying because they're below sea level. They know how important the water is. I'm married to a man from Holland who came to America. And I've been hearing about the Dutch and their water from 55 years of marriage. And we've, I found that how the life on this planet, but the Dutch knew more, know more than anybody about water. And the Dutch themselves, because they're below sea level, learn technology that has to be taught to the rest of our world. They know how to, to, they know how to rewind parting of the sea with Venice's project with uh, Moses, they say. And I look back on it from what I studied with the Dutch, and we've had some women from Holland in here about water on the show, but we need to learn more. And we're going to start emphasizing that more on our blogging and our, our press releases from our company. I do emphasize on your body and your water health. And that's something that I've got to tell you. There's five things before I introduce you to our guest. You must learn to breathe the water vapor of the air. You breathe in through the nose, let it out through the mouth at least 10 times a day 
uh, 10 different breaths a day and do that every once in a while. If you feel some pain, if you feel something coming on, do those breaths in a hurry. If you're in a store, you can do them silently. If you find yourself, you've got to drink water. You've got to think about good sleep. You've got to think about um, uh, good nutrition. Could diet be a problem? Could diets be the next medication? I do, along with the medications. They'll probably be assigning a diet with all medications in time. And your exercise. Add that to your being proactive about your, for yourself. That's our, our um, prayer for you today. But we're going to today listen to our, we're going to have a special guest on, Dr. Risa Caparo. She's a PhD, and uh, I'll introduce her to you in a minute. But we're going to have our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist. Did you know the surface of your eye is 99% water in the tear film? You have a tear film over the spot, over your surface of your eye. That tear film begins evaporation at the beginning of birth. If you over-evaporate, you may have vision impairment. And they have been able to prove that vision impairment can lead an over-evaporation of the tear film to blindness. They came to me years ago and asked me if I would study that. I did. And we developed together in this country with biologic aqua research, nature's tears eye mist with just a mist of tissue culture grade water to supplement that surface like you brush your teeth. If you didn't brush your teeth, you may have no teeth. If you didn't brush your teeth, your gums may have disease. If you didn't brush your teeth, your saliva would not be healthy. And the saliva has a, a very serious uh, uh, influence on the rest of your body. That's how serious that toothbrush is. Nature's Tears Eye Mist is the next product throughout the world to be able to supplement. I wouldn't live without it myself. Well, listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears I Missed, and we'll be back with Dr. Caparo. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Streaming live 
the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. I want to, I'm going to be introducing you to Dr. Yusak Capero. She's a PhD. And the, the show today is going to be discussing awakening somatic intelligence to reduce and heal illness and stress. And before I introduce her, I'll tell you a little bit about her. She's been very busy. As a young adult, Dr. Caparo successfully healed herself from a painful and life-threatening illness. The discovery she made during that ordeal prompted her to create a mythology to transform pain, stress, and trauma, and aging into wellness, embodied embodied by mindfulness and vital longevity is what she decided to focus on. This system called somatic learning was developed during three decades, um, over 30 years ago, of research, clinical practice, and training of health and care practitioners. She travels the world. She's dedicated. Dr. Capero, are you with us? Yes, I am. Thank you very much pleasure to be here with you today. Well, thank you for joining us today, and this is going to be a very exciting educational show, and um, I want you to tell us, uh, the audience, about yourself. I said a little something, but I want them to get to know you and, well, your, your past, where you're from, how you got where you're at today. <laughs> okay. It would be a delight. I was born in New York City, and I had um, the experience, I think, that many bodhisattvas do um, of arriving or choosing a life and a journey to wake me up pretty young, and I managed to have major trauma in every developmental stage from (laughs) in utero to birthing to early childhood to pre-adolescence and adolescence, and in the process of that, it raises the kind of force of necessity to, like, wake up (laughs) early because nothing else will do. You know, you can't just kind of continue merrily down your life and, and, and not have to find a different way of embodying this consciousness that we came in with in a way that can be much more self-sustaining and and graceful uh, passage and um, joyous and so excuse me for I interrupting ha- about and yeah. ask a question and I'll be doing that ever so often, Doctor. So sure. excuse the interruption. Um, what do you mean you came into life and you had? What were the challenges that you had? Well, I I don't like to too much dwell on the past, but um, I had, my parents had had two children, 
um, 11 months apart, uh, who were three and four years older than I, and my father, who was a director and producer, did his first Broadway, uh, off-Broadway musical, uh, all-black musical, and it crashed financially, and he didn't want to go bankrupt, and so he thought nobody would want to invest in the future, so he kind of worked it off, and so they were living really in poverty and uh, and pretty overwhelmed by the two children that they already had, and so when they surprisingly got pregnant with me, they tried many ways to abort me, and um, when nothing, kind of none of the natural um, home remedies worked, they went for a black back alley kind of abortion, and last second were terrified that they might die, <laughs> that my mother might die there. They kind mm-hmm. of ran off and decided somehow, hook or crook, they'd have me. So from having abortion trauma <laughs> early on to okay. some birth trauma to, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, some early childhood abuse and then a gang rape and, <laughs> you know, and then having pelvic inflammatory disease and an infected pregnancy and endometriosis. Um, and long story short that, you know, when I was a very young woman, um, actually 18 years of age, um, I was told that I would need a radical hysterectomy and because the adhesions were so um, so intense with my, you know, colon that I'd probably lose a fair amount of my colon. I could wind up on a bag. So here I am at 18 hearing that I not going to ever be able to have children and and that I would be probably in pain for the rest of my life because the endometrial tissue now had gone so many places and that I'd probably keep bleeding internally with it and I thought wow <laughs> this is crazy I'm going to give up you know all of these organs and I'm still going to be in pain and I'm still mm-hmm. going to, it's still going to continue to progress the disease. And I thought something, I just can't sign away to have this surgery. And so I wanted to get off of the morphine <laughs> so that I could sort of think straight, try to research. Maybe there's an alternative way. Maybe there's some kind of natural healing. And the only way I knew to get off that pain medication, because I was, you know, in such excruciating pain. I mean, every and, and breath, doctor, you every, were only, you were eighteen years old then. Eighteen years old, yeah. Oh my, how young! Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so you, I, uh, I'm so glad you're sharing this with us uh, because uh-huh. this is something that people uh, need to uh, embrace with your life. Is what you said there? Because what was the pain? Uh, what was it that you had to deal with? Because it's an individual um, experience that you personally had. And then you made some very faith-based decisions that you wanted to mm. go forward and live a life of learning what you could do to be uh, a healthier person, a more... Mm. And excuse me if you... Uh, I always say... Be vain. Take care of yourself. It's a gift. You were given mm. a gift to live on this planet, 
and and be be vain about that gift. And you put, mm-hmm. went forward to learn, and now you're sharing all of that throughout the world. Can you imagine God's? Mi- excuse me, I don't want your mission, your journey. Mm. Oh, wow. I think that and maybe that's why you would so not many have of had us choose these without lives. the pain of the past. Well, without having the necessity of waking up. You know, when I was three and a half, I had some paralysis happening in my right leg, and the doctors thought, well, it must be cerebral palsy, and it's probably going to spread everywhere, and eventually she's going to wind up, you know, immobilized, and so... You, you know, completely, and so since my mother was sort of on the ner- edge of a nervous breakdown already, was sort of, why don't you institutionalize her um, so that you can focus on your healthy children, you know, and so even at three and a half, I actually learned how to extend my presence through that leg until I regained all of that connection and was able to walk on it again and, wow. you know, start to dance And it's like people ask, well, if we are, you know, co-creators in how we embody in this lifetime, which I'm a firm believer of in this point, you know, you think, well, why would you ever choose a life like that? Or why would you ever, you know, if you're choosing your parents, why would you choose that circumstance? And the truth is, is that we go through things, it's like a portal. It's like in, you know, Leonard Cohen's beautiful words, it's the crack that lets the light through. It's that which creates such a force and necessity that we have to wake up. Right. <laughs> and that, and right. that way we can be live our lives on purpose from a young age, you know, awake to that all there really is is love and the only thing there is to do in life is to serve with that love, to reflect it back when you mirror into the eyes of other beings that there can only be love and light here, you know, and so I'm so grateful for the journey that I had and I'm so grateful for having been called very young into service because and I grew up in New York City, I kept passing the lighthouse, which was at the very end of my street. And I thought, one day I'm going to go and see how I can serve there. And as a very young, you know, just, I mean, I think I started at like 11 (laughs) to go in and say, is there any way I can volunteer and support? And and so, because I was an art now, major... Now, what, light, what is the lighthouse there? In the lighthouse is, is an association for the blind. And okay. um, it's like an educational and social um, uh, institution mm-hmm. to support um, people with blindness. And blindness. long story huh. short, I wound up being given this class when the head teacher had to be out for medical leave to work with the the uh, students in uh, teaching painting and teaching mm-hmm. sculpture. And what I realized very soon was that everything that I thought about art was irrelevant here because it was all about light and shadow and shape and everything that I saw. And most of my students were blind since birth, so it was quite meaningless to share any of that with yeah. them. And yet they didn't want me to leave. And so 
I started to spend a lot of my day blindfolded to try to understand their world, to enter Mm -hmm. into their world. And it took months of this practice to really have much breakthrough because images from, you know, my memory and imagination would keep imposing themselves on my experience. And so Uh I kept... Mm-hmm. You know, having like I'd feel an arm, and I'd have the image of the arm that would keep me in 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 this image object bound experiencing. And then one day, I began to have this breakthrough, which where I started to realize that everything I sensed was movement, and that there were movements within the movements within the movements according well, to how finding, you paid attention. You were finding, Dr., a rhythm. You were, you were in a rhythm with the planet Earth. You were a rhythm with your faith. You were, you were looking for that. You didn't even know it. You're in rhythm. I had no idea. I had no idea. Yeah. And then I began to realize yeah. that all of life is in this endless dialogue where mm-hmm. there's this kind of drinking in of something coming from the ec- implicate order of undifferentiated wholeness and unfolding as form and the only thing that the whole could ever unfold into is the wholeness so it's always unfolding back into that more implicate undifferentiated whole and this whole movement that the beautiful theoretical physicist my friend and mentor David Bohm talked about the way that the universe is endlessly renewing itself is coming from from this movement of unfolding into form and enfolding back into the formless, and I somehow mysteriously awoke inside of that dialogue and recognized that all of the movement was actually responding to my sensing in the same way that when a, like a blind man touches a table, it's not something solid and hard out there. It, as soon as they touch, they're listening and they're drinking in all of the movement as it's responding to their touch and they're like two rivers converging. They're suddenly knowing themselves in a way they've never known before in that dialogue of interconnectedness that we're all a part of. And somehow in this practice, I had it, and one day I had uh, an abscess and I woke up and I felt like my head was exploding and I didn't really know what to do about it. I think I, um, I just thought, okay, I'm going to wait and see. Maybe I hydrated myself. I put the blindfolds back on to do my morning meditation in it. And suddenly, I, without resisting the intensity, suddenly it became a, a, a kind of symphony of movements and that I was feeling and listening to, and, and it was unfolding. And as it unfolded, it, the intensity started to ripple out and dissolve of their own. And what was inside of that wave now opened a new universe, and then that... It rippled out and it, and dissolved of its own, and now there was others. and And at some point, it was like somebody pulled a knife out of my eye, and eventually, this kind of piercing feeling, so like a sound yourself, coming what, through what, my what ear. You were, what, what you were experiencing began to relieve the pain of the abscess. You learn exactly, your own individual exactly. relief of pain. 
Exactly. Now, were you doing any breathing exercises to help that too? I, at the time, I wasn't really particularly, although I'm sure as I was lying there and all of these movements within movements that became a universe onto themselves, I'm sure my breathing was deep, had deep vagal tone. I'm sure it yeah. was full body breathing, just like a baby naturally breathes. Everything is in mm-hmm. motion in relationship to this mm-hmm. beautiful, like bird wings, you know, this opening and, and closing and taking in, drinking in all of this light that is coming from the most distant stars to really nourish us with every single breath effortlessly. And when we drink that in and eat the audience, if you can just breathe with us for just a moment as you right. expire that breath, as it moves through your heart, carrying your love back to those infinite stars in all directions, Mm -hmm. kissing back Mm -hmm. to them with your consciousness and with your love. It's like this beautiful dance that happens, and it's as close as our breath, which is everywhere, all of us filling with this love and light. uh, Doctor, that becomes, it sounds like now, uh, follow me, um, for our audience to understand that the, what you're saying is the awakening of somatic intelligence to reduce yes. the illness, the pain, the stress. When did you get into yoga? Well, I, I had the great blessing to have been invited by Krishnamurti to have some dialogues while I was starting a school um, with some other beautiful educators and psychologists and spiritual teachers to help to support the awakening of children to who they really are as they develop and learn skills that will enable them to function in the world but not get misidentified with being an object inside of it but connected to the whole of it. And I had started to write to Krishnamurti because he was the one person I knew that had many years of experience running schools in various cultures in India and in Brockwood Park, England, and in Ojai, in California, and uh, trying to support this awakening and development of children. And so um, in the process of going to Gestad, Switzerland, to engage in these dialogues, he invited me over to the chalet where he was staying with his dear, dear friend, Vanda Scarabelli. Doctor, uh, we only, doctor, I hate to interrupt, we only take two, uh, one, this break is the only time we're going to take a break. Don't you go anywhere. And they're telling me it's time for me to take that moment for our sponsor and we're going to come right back and you're going to tell us about your um, when you started into <laughs> yoga and what it's done for your life and for the thousands of people you've helped. Don't go anywhere. Okay. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears I Missed, with just a mist. As I said earlier, that Nature's Tears I Missed was developed for when your vision becomes impaired. It's your evaporation of the surface of the eyes, 99% water, in the tear film to causing you discomfort. It's called dry eye. And they found it leads to blindness. That's what causes blindness. It's an over-dehydration 
extreme of the eye because the eye, the tear film has to have a, a normal evaporation. If it doesn't and there's no supplement to it, it can cause a severe eyesight problem or allergies, emotions, and more. That supplement is Nature's Tears Eye Mist, supported by the, our country to be able to be on the market with 100% tissue culture grade water with just a mist, a very fine mist. It doesn't even disturb the cosmetics, your mascara, your eyeshadow, if you're wearing it, and it doesn't burn, it doesn't blur, and it, the eye drops are causing an over-evaporation because of the weight, because of the chemical reaction to your evaporation of that tear film. Nature Tears Eye Mist is that supplement that is patented worldwide to be able to supplement and slow down that evaporation. Well, listen to our sponsor, and we'll be back with Dr. Caparo. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Dr. Capero, thank you for waiting with us. Um, tell us again, uh, who, who was it that introduced you to uh, yoga? So I, I was having these dialogues in uh, Gestad, Switzerland, with um, Krishnamurti, Jiddu Krishnamurti, and I got to meet the, his dear friend and yoga teacher and healer, Banda Scarvelli, who he stayed with in the summers there. And um, I was just mystified by this woman. She was in her 60s then, um, and she'd say, oh, come, I'm going to go into town and, 
you can come and walk with me. And she'd run barefoot through the forest and not even a twig would seem to break underneath her feet. She was so like pouring herself through the ground. And, and um, I saw her once. She said, well, would you like to come and do yoga with me? And she opened her legs on the ground and her, her spine moved in a way I had never seen. And I had been a dancer all of my life and um, practiced all kinds of embodiment work and qigong and tai chi and, and, um, and I had written my doctoral dissertation on movement as a process of transformative learning and change, looking at states of consciousness and our organismic functioning and how they can shift and you could have state-specific effects in that. And I, this was kind of my area of passion was understanding this. And I watched her uncoil her spine and see it move as if it were just like you see, you know, an Indian open up a basket and, and a cobra starts to kind of unspiral itself and come out of the, the basket. And I was just captivated in that moment. I thought all of the work that I had been studying this process called the form, which was based on Bucky Fuller's idea of tensegrity in the body. And what we did, because we couldn't move the spine directly, was to take off, to equalize all the tensional forces in all directions. So you had minimal tension in all movement, and you could sustain these beautiful... It was like learning how to dance effortlessly. But then I saw Vonda actually move her spine, and I thought, oh, I was immediately her devoted um, protege, and she invited me to come to Italy to see her where she really lived uh, the rest of the year in Tuscany up in the hills of Fiesoli. And I wound up the first time there for nine months to the day doing about five hours of yoga each day with Vanda and then helping students come that came to visit from other parts of the world to study with her. And it really changed my life because she taught yoga in such a different way um, she basically said, you must let gravity deliver you from all of the tensions you're carrying. And I realized that we lived with this sort of adversarial relationship to gravity. It's like we were fighting it to hold ourselves up and using all of this layers of muscular tension um, that in a way inhibited the self-sensing intelligence from reorganizing itself in every step. And so we became much more and more object-like, which is also how we get misidentified with ourselves as if we were an object that can existed over time continuously that was separate from everything else that seemed relatively solid or fixed. And nothing in the inside-out way of how, like, one of the Buddha talked about one of the levels of mindfulness is knowing the body from the body. It's like this intelligence that's self-sensing, 
self-organizing, self-correcting. And as we can awaken that intelligence, which is an innate in every human being, the organism is free to continuously renew itself and, and grow into ever greater ease and aliveness and joyfulness, which is our natural state. And it's what we get kind of missed directed in our conditioning because we're sort of told, you know, even when we walk into the classroom, the first thing is don't listen to what's going on, these impulses and meaning needs and fluctuations in your, the felt sense of your own experience. Ignore all that and just pay attention to what the teacher's saying or what's being written on the blackboard or, you know, what's out here. This is what's important. And we've learned to, in a sense, tacitly irrelevate all of that um, information that's providing feedback for us to keep extending our consciousness and embodying it in form. And so we get kind of misidentified with these like separate objects, like uh, persons, <laughs> rather than as this infinite consciousness that is embodying in this moment and always enfolding back into all of that, that, that we know we're drinking in the infinite and we're kissing back. And Let's our see, whole uh, respiration... Interrupting that, let me there. interrupt for just a moment. Let me think out, out loud here what the audience might be thinking. Is you're saying... That we as individuals, as, what, as much as you've learned for yourself, because your life, you were able to put it into, and I hope you can follow me what I'm saying here. I believe something gave you a rhythm, an individual rhythm to, mo- to move with your life, not living inside of you so much, but living away from yourself with our breath, our life and our universe, and the faith. And then you moved into that rhythm, and then where you're at, what you're explaining today, is if people can learn, there's more beyond just inside of you. There's light, the life is away from you as you reach to it, not as if we're pounding our chest, as if we're move, reaching out to away from it. And in our mind, we need to relax. We need to feel it. We need to um, enjoy, uh, like your favorite, hopefully, soft music, and, and flow with it as the universe is flowing, as Earth is living with the solar system. Simply easy with the flow and gentle. Nothing rushed. What has happened, I believe to our lives, and you can tell me whether you correct me here or not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What to people's emotions? They're so emotional. They think that's the way to get people to take them serious. And they're not realizing what you have learned with your life and what you've experienced, and yet you went on to become a doctor, a Ph.D., You've gone out to the world and shared your life and your, your uh, faith in what life can be if you're willing to reach to it. 
And what you've done here now and explained to us um, is that people have to learn to relax, follow the universe like, like you're li- closing your eyes and living with the planet Earth, moving into that solar system and your, the flow. How, how, do you notice how it, the solar system just takes a cycle? It takes that cycle. They're calling climate change. The Earth is in a cycle, living with the solar system also. Humans shouldn't take credit for everything, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, definitely. I think, um, you know, the message that you're wanting to underscore for the listeners is such a, you know, fundamental um, reorientation of how we live our lives. Like one of the reasons I've used yoga as, I mean, of course, you know, it was hard not falling in love with it through being, you know, introduced to it by this master yogi, Banda Scaravelli, who learned to let gravity have its way with her and to allow the beautiful movement of the breath to allow her to surf the waves of gravity and intrinsically, you know, as you're exhaling and your diaphragms are coming in and really lifting your heart and embracing the world through your heart, there's this beautiful releasing that can happen and the whole spine will just surf gravity as it's moving through and you start to realize you can move in all kinds of ways without any effort because all we're doing ever is surfing gravity on the waves of our breath. And so that began became a practice that I could use in helping people to awaken their somatic intelligence because you're living in such a rich field of feedback. It's like you can't get here from there. So if you're efforting and tensing toward an accomplishment, straining to like hold a pose or get into a pose, you're never going to experience that immense freedom and aliveness that you could if you can release all of the doing and to allow what Vonda used to say Infinite time, no ambition. No ambition. Something before, the, before we go to longer, farther. Doctor, uh, for the, our guests that maybe didn't, don't always understand what you're, uh, some of the descriptions, Dis- define somatic intelligence for the audience. I'd be happy to. What that means. Yes. So uh, somatic is a word that we borrowed from the Greek language, um, soma, in Greek, refers to this intelligence that is how life senses itself from the inside out. It's that bubbling, bursting, blooming forth of consciousness into form. And the awakeness, the consciousness of that movement, that self-sensing awareness that is always self-organizing, always self-correcting, always renewing itself. And that's the intelligence we're talking about, not how it's usually mistakenly translated into English 
to be like body, which in English is referring to a kind of third-person object like medicine studies the body or you rub cream on your body, which is a very different uh, idea, right, is this sort of object that's alive but moving through space separate from everything else, whereas soma is referring to this life unfolding intelligence as is expressed and embodied fully in form and also unfolding into the formless. And that's what somatic is referring to. So this is a native intelligence that's like how our cells are intelligence, how every every atom is intelligence. It's all it, unfolding from consciousness. And so it's awakening that consciousness within. Mm-hmm. Now, here and here, I've got some things I wanted to bring up to you that I want you to help us understand because of your background and you've traveled to work with people and their stress. And stress is, is a killer. And you're obviously helping people with pain, really pain. Hopefully, they can get off of opioids and all these medications. One of our doctors we had in from China on the show recently, studies as a PhD, the addiction problems of the world. He lives in China. And he was saying the United States has the worst drug addiction problem than any country of the planet. Um, What have you run into when you're working out there? Have you been able to help with that problem at all with with what you've been doing? Oh, absolutely. Um, You know... What we experience as pain is really more like suffering. You know, our resistance to um, some, some intensity that we shrink away from in fear. And if we can open our sensing, we're in dialogue with that. And we allow ourselves to start reorganizing as they need to. That's what happened in my experience. At first, I just was hoping that if I went back to using what I'd learned when I blindfolded myself in those sort of personal meditations I did when I was teaching the blind, I, I tried to see if that would, re, you know, reduce the pain enough that I could get off of those medications myself. And I was delighted to discover that, yes, indeed, I could actually become spacious enough that there was no pressure anymore from from the pain that I was experiencing. And at the, I was just grateful for that so that I could get off all those medications. But as now, I doctor, continue to you, do you the medications... I interrupt every once in a while to ask questions, too, with the audience. When well, you said you had been in Tai Chi... Did you find that Tai Chi helped you move forward with your vision, with reducing pain? Not initially. Um, I really did not learn from um, a master that had helped me sense somatically mm-hmm. the movement as much as sort of like learning it kind of from the outside in rather than from the Mm -hmm. inside out. But then after I had this awakening and then also learning from um, Vanda 
to move from the inside out is from my awareness into form so that I didn't have to tense toward, you know, she and that began to, to I, help it, you reduce the pain. And then, then you I could do Tai Chi now, completely I'm because we don't have too much more time left. What well, about I was just gonna, your diet? Okay. In your diet, did you find that, yes, the breathing, and yes, uh, you ended, find, found that yoga was an enormous value to helping this release the stress and the pain and help others. But did you find that a, a diet also helped, a special helpful yes. diet? Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, I had been a vegetarian for years when I had, you know, had this uh, injury and then illness that had uh, threatened my life. But I, um, I that wasn't. I mean, I wasn't really a healthful eater. I would want to not be so in what a do position. You find so I would eat almost. People- what do you're yeah. finding? To, to, we're almost out of time. What are you finding? Now, with all that you've been learning from your own experience, but also now you're traveling around the world, helping others. You're a dedicated missionary to this. It says here that in the United States, our 40 million people suffer from anxiety. Uh, One out of 10 suffers from depression. 23.5 million people suffer from uh, autoimmune diseases. 116 million Americans every year continue to be inadequately treated, and 40% of the adults have turned to to uh, now toward uh, um, more alternatives. Now, what before we're done? We only have a minute left. Um, you're out there with your with helping people. And I want to have you on again because I, we couldn't possibly get it all in. But a diet, a spe- a drinking water, of course. I'm sure you drink water mm-hmm. uh, to replace that lost moisture. Yes, yes. My intention and is then to you're breathing. A day. You're learning how to breathe. You've learned that. You've learned your meditation to relax and live with the universe. But you've learned a diet. Now, in conclusion with the show today, because it did go pretty fast, what would you say to the audience that they need to learn and how would they find? Do you have a website that they could go to? Yes, I have several websites uh, for the work around somatic learning. Go to somaticlearning.com and, in fact, if you click on, there's an invitation to get on our mailing list for like blogs and um, announcements about interesting programs and resources. And um, and so there'll be a little intro tape that is a gift that we'll send you for free. So somaticlearning.com, my book, Awakening Somatic Intelligence, the Art and Practice of Embodied Mindfulness for Transforming Pain, Stress, Trauma, and Aging. Um, there's also another website that I'd... Uh, that w- one of my other Global Peace Uprising, and that's about awakening the inner sovereignty in okay. all of us so that I'm so we can sorry. have peace we're out now. Of, we're out of time. I'm so sorry right. we're out of time. The show went fast. But Dr. Riso Capero... You're a PhD. You've worked, and you're you're you've got a mission. And uh, let's let's have you on another time because I'm sure there's All a right. lot more you want to teach us. 
All right, Sharon. Thank you so much for having me today. You have a nice day, and you be well. Blessings to all of you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Well, we all learned, I'm sure, a lot about what we need to learn. (laughs) So, audience, we know that what the doctor was teaching us today was something that you can sit back, take a breath, have a big glass of water, of course. We should be drinking at least ten to eight, 8 to 10 of those a day. Watch your diet and learn that if you take your time, be good to others, put somebody else's heart in your hands. Don't ever do a thing to harm another person. And you have your vision living with this planet. You're going to live long, be healthy, and be well. I want to thank you for listening today. Until the next Power of Water Radio Talk Show. You have a nice day. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel with an encore Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com. Oh,